0: This episode of The Only Podcast About Movies was recorded a little differently. Shahir was off site, and therefore, we didn't sync up as much as we usually don't. So if you hear any audio glitches or the occasional out of syncitude, that's a word, just ignore it, just like you did that time you heard your parents having sex. Also, it's worth noting I'm incredibly hungover, so I'm probably going to sound like a huge dummy. Enjoy the show. <laughs> Up, internet. It doesn't make a difference. Men, artists,
1: animals, plants, we're all just extras. My name is Matthew Kroll. And as we know, intellectuals have no taste. My name is Shaheer Dowd. And this is the only podcast
0: about the film Youth. We are finally doing it, Shaheer. We are.
1: are. I'm I'm excited to because you are so enthusiastic about this film. And and I have to admit, this is a. And please don't you know mistake this. It uh, it's an unusual movie for you to be excited about. Oh, shut up! No, don't, I mean, and I mean that in the most endearing way,
0: don't you think? It, it no, it is out of it is out of uh, my wheelhouse, except uh, the small wheelhouse it sort of inhabits for me is Michael Caine. Oh, great! Uh, I like everything that man does, so that was sort of my gateway into this film to get me there and get me interested and excited. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I've I've watched it twice now. And uh, it just got fucking better. Uh, and we can get into it uh, in a little bit. Obviously, this being the
1: only podcast about the film. Well, um, sure. Let's. Why don't we just before we do that, I'd like to do a little bit of housekeeping. Yes. Catch up on a Keep couple house. of emails. Um, as always, if you like our show, if you want to share information with us, if you want to write us in, tell us how much of a douchebag we're douchebags we're being this week. You oh, can, can be do single, so. Singular. Yeah, <laughs> at uh, onlymoviepodcast at gmail or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. Um, I just wanted to shout out to Kartik Singh who uh, is writing us from France. Uh, I know this because I met Kartik uh, at a film festival a couple of years ago, at Clermont-Ferrand, uh, where oh, nice. he was he was a very very helpful host. Uh, took us out to dinner, um, uh, ordered French food for us, and it was really great. He's a terrific filmmaker on his uh, on his own as well. So check him out at uh, Luminous studios.com or Kartik Singh K-A-R-T-I-K Singh S-I-N-G-H and he wrote this in one rule that I have is that I never listen until an episode until I've actually seen the film in question so I have lots of them to catch up with I just listened to Anna Anomalisa episode which was my number one favorite film. Glad you guys got a Japanese friend to translate the song, and I really enjoyed the Star Wars Revisits. He's got a nice little plug here about how good chemistry we have, Matt. I'm going to skip that because I don't want us to sound too masturbatory right now. Misty-eyed. But uh, one comment he said, uh, he mentioned here, was that we both took a gigantic shit on Sicario, which he liked (laughs) a lot. Uh, He made this interesting comment, which is, I was perfectly fine with Emily Blunt taking a backseat in the second half of the film. Mm-hmm. Spoilers for Sicario. In general, I feel this heroes' journeys bullshit has harmed movies and made them all feel the same. Ooh. So, what do you th- what do you think about that? Thinking back about a uh, Sicario review,
0: I mean, uh, uh, I, I, well, first of all, thank you for the email. Um, and second of all, I, I'm trying to think back to Sicario. Uh, but it, I'm glad he enjoyed it, but it didn't stick with me. So I'm trying to like
1: think back. <laughs> Sure. Well, While you're doing that, I'll I'll tell you what I think, which is that um, I, you know, Kartik, it's an interesting thing, which is that Sicario is a film that I didn't enjoy that much because of exactly the reason you mentioned, which was that uh, Emily Blunt's character kind of gets lost in the second half of the film. And I think in the review, we talked a lot about why that didn't work in Sicario versus why that worked in a film like No Country for Old Men. Mm. The thing is, right now, is the more I think about Sicario, the more I really want to give it a second shot. Maybe because I listen to the soundtrack a lot um, on my headphones. Um, Mm -hmm. So I maybe you know like sicario might be a film i could be wrong about but that was my initial i still stick by my initial feelings which was that the second half of the film while excellent does an unusual narrative turn that undermines what was good about the first half um
0: yeah and i i think i i I completely agree with the hero's journey sort of ruining things not everything has to be about like the one person doing the thing and changing and growing and whatever or like you know that sort of that sort of thing. I know that's the yeah. sort of the standard. But something actually in the film we're going to talk about today in youth, uh, I feel like where youth does it very well and and Sicario didn't, and uh, is basically having an ensemble of characters, having them all be interesting and not forwarding certain, like they don't all sort of further the same plot, but they just like in youth, they all seem to work together. And you could argue that while Michael Keynes is sort of the head, the, the main character, like there are tons of other strong characters that you could, If you spent five more minutes with the screen time, they could be the main character. So I think what what the difference uh, with Sicario was and this actually might have to do with its advertising seeping into my brain a little too much Mm -hmm. because it was sort of painted um, as this thing where Emily Blunt was the I don't know in the in the marketing or whatever was kind of the hero of the movie. And I kind of got used to that idea. Yeah, and then seeing it and sort of having it be the first half of that movie be just that, and then the second, well, maybe the first two thirds, and the last third uh, just take such a detour, um, kind of threw me out. So I think it it just didn't set up its its sort of odd choice enough for me. So when it took the turn that it did, uh, it just threw me off the bus.
1: Yeah, That's and kind of- I and I I I kind of agree, um, we, in a slightly different way, which is that I think that the turn doesn't inform the not messaging is the wrong word, but it doesn't inform the story uh, that the film is trying to tell. And it kind of, it, it, you know because I'm sort of confused then by the last scene where Emily Blunt's character hasn't really realized what's happened Um, so I I kind of found that unusual but again Kartik I actually did really enjoy uh, Sicario it made my top 10 list of uh, last year and I do like uh, there's a lot of movies where I say I never want to see that again Jurassic World Um, but Sicario is one where I'm like I kind of do want to give that a second shot and maybe my mind will change I'll keep you updated if it does I would
0: watch it again I, yeah. I think I would too um, there, there, it does do a lot of stuff right
1: yeah it's it, I mean uh, look it's a masterfully made film I just think it made such an unusual choice that it threw me it was one of yeah. those unusual yeah. narrative choices that threw me out of the movie 100% um, um, Kartik, yeah. I also just wanted to uh, thank you for uh, mentioning that he doesn't listen to the podcast until he's seen the film in question. Yes, uh, listeners, we've been we, debating this. Yeah, we are trying out a, a sort of a release strategy, uh, if you will, um, and you can advise us if this works for you or not, uh, but we're trying a thing where we release the podcast at least one week after the film has been released, if we're doing a new release film. If you've gathered, we do film, We 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 try not to restrict ourselves to what's playing at the movies? We will do a film like *Youth*, which has been out on uh, Blu-ray for, or or on iTunes for a while now um, mm-hmm. today because we like it. Um, we do short films on occasion. We do feature films. We might even do, um, you know, uh, an old school, uh, a, a classic film at some point um, because we kind of, you know, this podcast we're the only podcast, and we want to we want to cater to our own whims yes. uh, and yours, listeners. But 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 the thing with new releases that we uh, that I think is interesting is that we want to give everyone at least one week to watch that film and then come to yes. us because our discussions tend to be long and involved so even though we do uh, a little bit uh, of the discussion as spoiler free uh, we're, we're hoping that you're coming to us to listen to to two guys, two idiots if you will, ramble oh. on incoherently about a film and hopefully get something out of it
0: Yeah, I mean so so you've been warned uh, you have one week normally to see the film before we will actually put something out um, the The reason I wanted to talk about youth this week uh, was because the Oscars just Ugh.
1: happened yeah, what an interesting uh, well, what an I interesting say, night I, uh, I say interesting <laughs> because i don 't watch the oscars and and the, you know you, we, we decided we were going to talk a little bit about the Oscars and I struggled to like come up with rationalities to why the Oscars are relevant.
0: I mean, Uh I was reading all of the articles about the Oscars after the fact and I was, you know, blah, 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 blah. And there's all the, you know, there's, there's, there's tons of stuff, you know, obviously wrong with the Oscars. And then there was reviews of the night. And then people thought that the things that were wrong were undercutting. I don't know. I feel like it's been picked apart so much that I don't particularly care. Um, but, uh, Again, I, I know everyone's probably really wondering uh, if I'm going to blow up about Spotlight. No, I'm not. <laughs> uh, I, I'm I'm disappointed. Well, no. See, here's why. This is why I'm not going to blow up about Spotlight. Is because I think time and time again, the Oscars are are just slowly chipping away and proving that they're they don't matter. Like, and they're kind of doing it to themselves. You know, now that's not to say that the films that won the awards all across the board don't deserve them. Many of them do. I mean, Revenant and Mad Max and um, uh, what was the other one? The other big winner of the night. I'm trying to
1: remember. Uh, um, I'm not too sure actually. Uh, I think it was kind of split. Split after that. I think The Big Short picked up a couple of awards. Uh, yeah, uh, Amy, best
0: documentary, like that sort of stuff. That was all. You know, these are all great films. And again, I will say, if you liked Spotlight, I'm great. I'm glad you did because someone has to. But, um, I I just don't think, I mean, especially in a year where this film Youth that we're going to discuss at great length came out and it only got nominated for a song, the simple song number three in the film got nominated for best original composition, I think. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, and I just look at it and I'm like, wow, like you're just not, I, I don't know. And this, this movie, I feel like, well i I'll get into why I don't think it won or was even nominated for Oscars later, but uh it just it's it it blows my mind that that uh, they they just seem very out of touch with everything
1: well here's what i there's there's a i have a a sort of counter theory to that, which is that in some ways I think the Oscars can be actually negative. To a film, like, so for example, because here's what I think. I think the Mm -hmm. Oscars in a way, if a film wins Best Picture, Mm -hmm. uh, that pretty much puts a full stop on the discussion about that film. Um, Like, for example, we don't talk about the artist anymore. Um, You know, maybe there's a distinction between what the awards hands out and what pop culture kind of picks up on mm-hmm. now i am not disappointed that spotlight won because i think spotlight is an excellent movie i am right. a little disappointed that maybe the conversation that spotlight generates will will cease at this point you know like people just go oh yeah that was the best picture it was okay let's move on um, well, yeah
0: i mean well i made a snarky comment on facebook uh huh. after the fact uh, uh basically congratulating spotlight and uh huh. Uh, and apologizing to movie trivia people at bars around the country a year from now when they ask who won Best Picture last year and no one can remember. Uh, yeah, it, that's what's going to happen. And again, not that, not that I I I, I shouldn't because it's funny. I, I I again think it's an average film, but it's you're absolutely right. Like these movies that sort of win don't tend. To, you're right. The conversation just stops.
1: Um, it, it can do for a lot of films, you know, I, I not, not everyone. And I, you know, look, I, I think I said in our review of Spotlight that for me, Spotlight would be the film to beat in any ordinary year. And it turns out it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I, I did kind of hope that Mad Max would win uh, just because it was such a, it would be such a a statement by the Oscars to, to mm-hmm. pick a film like Mad Max. Uh, yeah. But that's, I can't, I don't, you know, I don't disagree with their decision. Um, but you know, but again, who cares as well? You know, that's the the thing, you know, it's it's great, it's wonderful. I hope one day, you know, I could be on that stage, but at the same time, like, does it matter, you know, for, for the legacy of the film itself? I don't know, I don't think so. Uh, and all, you know, having seen awards being handed out and even being behind the scenes on sometimes, uh, you know, like seeing how awards are decided. Sometimes it is like, uh, it's a crap shoot and it's, it's all made up, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> now this is the only podcast about conspiracies because everything is rigged. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's rigged. It's just made up,
1: you know? Like, no, no. Well,
0: that I'm just saying what I, what I meant by, What I meant by rigged is like (laughs) there's so many deals and things and and you're right. Just made up. People just decide shit because of A, B, C, D and E. And those things can be anything. Yeah, absolutely. uh, It's not like a math problem where there's an actual like full answer. It's just like, oh, I think this one. Yeah, exactly. Oscars uh, show was fine. Chris Rock did good. Uh, glad some movies got some awards and sad someone uh, did, too. So it's fine.
1: Whatever. Any any thoughts on, before we move on, on uh, Oscar so white, hashtag Oscar so white or diversity, Chris Rock's monologue or anything? Because I think that was the most interesting oh, yes, thing please, about the Oscars. Oh, yes, please ask the white guy
0: on the show <laughs> uh, about oh, what I on. think it's, about it diversity.
1: Yeah, that doesn't mean you can't talk about the subject.
0: Uh, I think... Again, when we talked about it a little bit before, I think a ton of people got snubbed that should not or that said should have been nominated. Uh, mm-hmm. I think if they if certain people wanted to boycott, then I think that's totally fine. Uh,
1: I think I Chris think, Rock said it best when it was like, remember in the 60s when Oscars, when when no black right. people were nominated? That's because we and nobody protested. It's because we had real things to protest about. Um, I think that was a very, very astute and funny moment. Um, yeah, but it's still, it's such a,
0: it's, it's such a, even though we're just talking about them and we're saying like, oh, they don't matter. It's still the, the, the biggest popularity contest in town. And it's what, it's what a lot of people that don't think about movies more than just going on a Saturday night. Um, the only other time people think of an award for a film is the Oscars. Like that's what the common people know. Oh, did that movie win an Oscar? Then it should be good. Like yeah. that's that's the the lexicon that's the dialect that people have. So to just ex- it, and it seems so fuck. I mean, now I'm gonna go on a rant. It seems so arbitrary. Like straight out of Compton should have been nominated. Like three or four things. Beast right. of No Nation. The little kid in that should have been nominated. Yeah, uh, Idris and Elba. I think should have at least been nominated. Um, fucking and and, and don't get me wrong. I love Sly Stallone. Yeah, I love him. Yeah but, but uh <laughs> Michael Michael B Jordan right that's yeah. Creed's name uh in Creed was so fucking good yeah like it's just it just it's it's this perfect shitstorm of like how do you look at this when you're when you're in your room and you're looking at the tally and be like
1: are are we really are these really what we think like yeah and if you compare that to the to to the previous year when 12 years a slave kind of swept um you you're basically painting a picture where uh, there's a certain kind of blackness that is accepted and a certain right. kind of blackness which is not. Um, and I think that's that's kind of more telling than anything because I don't you know, I don't think it's that the Oscars are racist per se. That's a very strong word to throw out there. But I think that there is a generally, accepted kind of uh blackness versus a versus an unaccepted kind and if you look at the the unaccepted kind it was the the modern you know um, uh chris rock
0: said chris rock said that they're sorority racist which i think is
1: yeah totally true like And, and it's not and it's not just african americans as well it's it's a whole range of things and i think to me the the problem with the oscars isn't the oscars itself it's the fact that so few films that aren't white, um, don't actually get as much publicity because I I think the biggest problem is this, this theory that goes around, which is that, Black movies, for example, need to be marketed to black audiences because they are the ones that will watch it. Versus, yeah. you know, like that to me is like really problematic and telling of of a bigger issue. And then I think all of that gets filtered down to when not, you know the the Oscar season comes around yeah. because you know those films don't get marketed as much no, and the, they don't get as much yeah, publicity, the, so they're not seen and then they're not put up for awards. The Oscars is a symptom.
0: Yeah, uh, it's not. It's not the disease itself. And. Yeah. uh you know, hopefully in the next coming years that they'll, uh, they'll they'll rectify it.
1: You know, one of the greatest American films in the last 25 years, Do the Right Thing by Spike Lee didn't get a single nomination, uh, but Six Lies in Videotape, which came out the same year, which is an excellent film, did. And, you know, we don't, I I don't think we'll, you know, from a pop culture point of view, talk about Six Lies in Videotape very much, but Do the Right Thing is, is, is so prescient today and so important today that it's kind of sad that that the film didn't get recognized. But again, the, if the film had been recognized, it might have put a full stop on that conversation. Yeah, I guess. So, well, Youth, though. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah,
0: getting back to Youth, uh, the movie that should have been Picture of the Year. So uh, this is,
1: this is again, I, I think I mentioned it before, this is an unusual film for you to champion. This is the kind of film I would ordinarily champion, I think. I
0: know. I feel dirty, but I don't feel <laughs> dirty because this whole film is genius. I was watching it the second time, Yeah, and... Uh, holy crap. Like I was thinking about, I was taking notes. I think I took way more notes than I normally do um, this time around. And the, but, but what I took away from taking all these notes was I don't, I don't, I I can't understand this movie as much as I want to. Like I'm going to have to watch it to get all of the meanings and the deeper sort of behind the, the scenes, sort of what, why things are where, uh, I'm going to have to watch this movie like 10, 15 times, and I'm fine with that.
1: Like, yeah, you want to watch it 10, 15 yeah, times, right? Yeah, yeah, like
0: it's, I I I got the gist the first time I watched it, and I loved it. And then the second time, I got a little bit deeper, and I and some of the problems, and I, I did have one or two problems, which we'll talk about too, Um, that I had the on the first viewing. Upon the second viewing, I was like, oh, f- well, that all makes total fucking sense now. Right, like, right. And then the argument, well, we'll talk about it a little bit later, the argument is does it still work if it doesn't deliver on the first sort of thing, but whatever.
1: So for anyone who's listening in who wants to watch this film, the film Youth uh, by Paolo Sorrentino is available on iTunes now. It stars Michael Caine and Javi Keitel as Fred Ballinger and Mick Boyle, two longtime friends who spend a season in a Swiss Alp resort, uh, both wrestling with the fact that their best years may be behind them um, and dealing with the notion of what the future might hold. Uh, Fred Ballinger has just recently, uh, at the very start of the film, has been asked to perform his signature composition – He's a he's a film. Uh, uh, he's a composer. His signature composition, Simple Song, which was nominated for an Oscar um, for the Queen's uh, royal performance uh, with Prince Philip. Uh, meanwhile, Mick Boyle is a film director uh, who has brought a team of screenwriters to the resort to help him pin what he feels might be his greatest film. His testament, if you will. Yes. Um, Life's Last Song. Uh, good title. too. Life's Last Day laughs life, life, Last Day. Sorry. Thank you. Yep. Um, and this is directed by Paolo Sorrentino, who won the Oscar for Best Foreign Film last year, The Great Beauty. Um, and as part of that uh, Italian renaissance that is going on right now, there are a few films. Uh, now, uh, spoiler alert for my opinion of this film. Yeah. Uh, no, I gave mine. You gave yours. Um, I showed I, you mine. Yeah, well, I'm gonna you know, look, Matt, I'm very happy that you really like this film. And I know that's going to sound a little condescending, and I hope it doesn't come across condescending, but this is kind mm-hmm. of a film that's in my wheelhouse that you are passionate about. Uh, and I'm really i'm I'm kind of I'm kind of taken aback by that. I don't necessarily <laughs> agree. and I don't think that this film necessarily deserves that kind of accolade, but i oh. but I think there is. There is so much going on in this film and it is so uh it is so just, just first off, this film is so beautiful. It yeah. is extraordinary to look at. Um, the cinematographer, I think his name is—I uh, oh, had it up on my screen a, a second ago—but Luca Biazzi, I think his name is. I'll, I'll get that in a second. Um, is so gorgeous that it, you watch this on the biggest screen you possibly can, yeah. and it's, it's cinema with, um, with a capital C. Um, and it's so sensuous as well. And it's, it's just worth watching on that level. I, I think narratively the film is a little hollow, um, but, but the, you know, as part of this Italian Renaissance, there are a couple of films that I love. There was a film called the last kiss. Um, which was remade into a film with Zach Braff, by the way, um, which I I heard was awful. But the actual original Italian film, The Last Kiss, is just stunning. And possibly one of my favorite films of the last 10 years, uh, a film called I Am Love uh, with Tilda Swinton is, you know, to quote uh, Malcolm from, uh, oh, Alex from Clockwork Orange is gorgeous and gorgiosity defined. Um, I Am Love. And Matt, I I think, you know, like how I did with... um, with, uh, with Steve Bu- uh, Buja. Uh, hey, was, you got yeah, it too- right! I did get it right this time, uh, which was to give you a, you know, if you liked this film, I think you'll enjoy this. Um, check out I Am Love, uh, directed by Luca Gudaño. Uh That, to me, is a film I could watch at the drop of a hat anytime and is just, it captivated captivated me from start to finish. I can see why this film would captivate you, though, If it, it, and I'm glad it did. If this is, if if you become enraptured with this film, which I can totally see happening, um, then then I absolutely could see why you would champion this film. Um I yeah, as I say, I personally don't I, I think the the film is a beautiful series of vignettes um that are all fairly interesting, but it, this I'm not entirely certain that it's the sum of more it's more than the sum of its parts.
0: Oh, I think it is, my sure. friend. Well, shall uh, we get into spoiler territory? Yeah, we probably should. Um, so spoilers come in, uh, coming in hot. But even before that, I have one more thing. I'm not even sure if this is sort of a spoiler thing. Um, I think what I love, I mean, beyond the fact that it's gorgeous and its soundtrack is amazing and the shots are all framed like goddamn paintings.
1: Yeah, every uh, frame is a painting in this film. It's
0: so fucking good. Uh, side note, actually, some of them, some of the more static stuff reminded me of sort of set pieces from Pigeon a little bit. Oh, sure. Um the, which is just sort of I, yeah. I noticed that in the second time. But uh the things that always get me to come back to movies are characters. Beyond mm-hmm. what the thing looks like or what it's about or, you know, the and all of the bits and pieces. If if a film has um compelling and believable in whatever space they are, characters that feel real to me and that I am interested in, I will love the film forever. And what this movie does. And fuck, I'll leave. I'll tie it back to the goddamn Avengers early. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, oh God, it's these, really? all these different characters in youth. I feel like they're, if you took them and they were like cards in a deck, right? Yeah. You shuffle them together and put just scenes with them no matter what. And they, the movie does this to a, to a point, but like, cause every once in a while you'll see two new people talking that you didn't even know had a rapport. And then there's a thing happening. Um, but I'm convinced you could take any of these characters, shuffle them in a deck, and pull out like two groups of twos and threes, and have the most phenomenal scenes and conversations and dialogue. Much sure. like in in a different way, the the characters in the Avengers. I like the fact that when they are put together in weird different scenarios, new things come from them. Right. Um,
1: it's, but it's but, odd that you went there right away. But okay.
0: Yeah, I just <laughs> thought I'd get it out of the way. Yeah, uh, so you could take me more seriously as we continue down the road. Um, but. These the characters in this movie are amazing. Like uh, Michael Caine, obviously is 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 great in it. But everyone, Harvey Keitel, even um the young guy can. Uh, Paul Dano,
1: yeah, who yeah. plays
0: he, Paul Dano's character is Jimmy Tree, and he's he, this this resort they're all at is sort of like this in the Swiss Alps. Is it? Um, yeah, I think it's
1: the Swiss Alps. Yeah, yeah, there
0: it's it's like celebrities go to this resort for like vacation. And you can kind of see why. It's it's a beautiful oh, location. Man, I wish
1: we could record from that. I, the, the whole time we were watching it, I was like, I wish we could record from this location.
0: Oh, my God. It'd be so good. <laughs> um, but he plays Jimmy Tree. Uh, Paul Dano plays Jimmy Tree. And uh, not only does Paul Dano, you know, hang with the big boys in this movie, uh, like legends of, of acting. Um, but he sort of plays, I guess what I would call like a Johnny Depp type character. Like sure. a like a not like a, you know captain jack but like actually johnny depp johnny depp like an actor who's super into the craft and you know is questioning sort of the roles that he's taken uh in his life um and and you know uh the i forget how we even started talking about him
1: uh well he so much- he he's uh he's you you were mentioning that he plays you know like he goes toe-to-toe with michael right, Caine and with, harvey Keitel yeah. in this movie so everyone in this film all their
0: characters are wonderful um mm-hmm. and something that 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 took me that I think that the, one of the, the main things that grabbed me in this, and I got to go back to my notes because this movie, it, if you feel, if you feel me getting sort of stumbled, it's because I don't think I a hundred percent get what this thing is trying to, what this movie is trying to say. Sure. Um, but I think it, it really wants me to, and I think it does some excellent, uh, an excellent job sort of leading the the viewer. Um, I think if I had to put it a, a sort of a pin in, in what this movie is about, uh, after all is said and done, and we can go through the sort of minutia of what happens, uh, I think uh, the point that this movie is trying to say is that if you just shut up and get over yourself, uh, getting old or changing doesn't have to kill you.
1: Sure, yeah, I could I could see that. Certainly with the title and the two lead actors, right? Could, but every certainly...
0: character in this movie, and it's funny. I was going through and I was like trying to figure out like. Well, what something that makes all the characters very nuanced and feel very real is they all have sort of like, um, I guess, accolades in their life and shit that they don't like in their life. Like they feel real. It feels balanced. Yeah. And obviously the older characters have more shit in their life because they've lived longer. Yeah. In a weird way. Um, but like I was trying to think of like who the happiest people were in the movie. And one of them was. Uh, a young Masseuse.
1: Yeah, the Masseuse, yeah, who uh, seems to who be
0: in her downtime plays uh just dance on yeah. the Xbox, I think it is. Yeah, um, something like that. Yeah. Uh but and even like the Michael Kane has a daughter played by Rachel Weiss, um, who seems like all good in the beginning and then uh her husband leaves her for a pop star. Mm-hmm. Uh Which uh, then sort of breaks her and she gets rebuilt sort of, she has to find herself again uh, through the loving arms of uh, Luca. Of a man, the the, uh, climber. (laughs) The climber. Yeah. Um, Again, I feel like I'm talking in circles about this thing because there's so much to fucking
1: dissect from it. Well, here's Um, the thing, Matt. I, I, you know, look, I, you said, you said something earlier, which was that you, you feel like you haven't wrapped your head around the film completely. And, and, um, you know uh, it's great that you want to go back to the well and try to figure this film out i personally think that the reason you might be struggling to 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 come to grips with the film is is again i don't think that the sum is more than you know it, it, i don't think this film is more than the sum of its parts which are which is that it has really lovely well written considered scenes which all dance around the t- the topic of getting older and right. and one's legacy um but i don't think it actually eventually comes to anything about it to me what this film feels like is is basically a retreat this film is a is a, a is a respite from daily life and it and it and it takes a retreat from life and it and to examine the possibilities of what one's life po- meant, and and I think there are some interesting things that are said. But if you break down what Michael, what happened, what what Michael Caine's revelation is about his life, it's not that revelatory. It, it's interesting, and I think it's very well done. But it didn't like knock me off my feet well here's uh, here's the thing i'm going to go
0: back to the email from before about sort of like the hero's journey mentality <clears throat> sure. and that's why i don't think i think this movie uh i know michael Caine is the main character i get yeah. that but i don't think his journey or his story is the point of the movie i think if this movie's trying to say something about sort of basically the human condition and aging and we're all gonna die mm-hmm. no matter what we fucking do yeah uh, and th- this movie has so many different characters in different points of their life dealing with that fact in very different ways. In fact, there's a scene. Um, uh, maybe, well, maybe I'll finish this point before I jump to the next one. So excited. Mm-hmm. Um, so
1: excited.
0: The like Michael Caine's character is he is a set in his ways guy. He's fucked up a lot in his life. He sacrificed his family life for his music. Mm-hmm. Um and his daughter is bitter about it, even though she's now his assistant. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, which is uh, <laughs>
1: uh yeah. they, But
0: they, that that relationship, the relationship between um Michael Caine and Rachel Wise in the film, felt very real to me too because it felt like an actual parentage. Like they were happy and they had happy moments, and then like the second that shit starts hitting the fan, like the daughter like lashes out and rightfully so at at her father, Michael Caine. Um, and then they sort of like get over it because they're close in a weird way. Like it felt like when, when characters argued in this film, then, and a couple other times, once with Harvey Keitel and Jane Fonda, uh, as well, which we'll talk about later, it felt like an actual real argument to me and a fight. Like a lot of times there's like screaming and then people walk away in movies or a fight, a physical fight starts or any of that shit. This, every confrontation in this film felt so real because it had its peaks and valleys. It's sort of one two punches back and forth sort of sparring and then even after sort of the final blow was dealt it keeps going because yeah. life just keeps fucking going right like it's not like you say one thing and then dr- dr- dramatically the whole thing ends in 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 real day-to-day life and in this movie it does that it, it just keeps like the the winner of the argument hits their final like word punch but then like it keeps going to sort of show you wh- what actually happens after these large conversations so that was just one more thing in this movie that sort of in, in the in the soup that this movie is uh, that sort of made me uh, really appreciate sort of the the realness of these characters in kind of like weird sort of imagination land. They, they have a lot of uh, either dreams or things that happen in the movie that are like just a little bit beyond um, realistic. I, I would say that most of the things in the film, like uh, when Michael Caine goes and sits in the field with the cows.
1: Yeah. You oh that? that is that's a gorgeous scene.
0: Yeah, uh he like starts basically conducting nature in a weird way and yeah. in the movie it plays out like he's actually conducting uh the woodpeckers and the bees and the cows and stuff like that and like just musically like the noises they make.
1: It's a uh, beautiful beautiful I, scene.
0: Yeah, I took that I didn't think in the actual world of the movie he was actually doing that. That was just him sort of imagining the feeling of what it was like to when he composed and since he has decided uh to not uh, compose uh, any more music or play certain songs from his, cat- uh, his catalog anymore due to his wife um, basically being catatonic. Yeah. Uh, they kind of set her up as being dead throughout the entire film, but it uh, turns out she's actually like in a hospice um, in Venice, I think it was.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, like, this look, was-
0: Oh sorry go ahead. I was going to say there's lots of moments that like are surreal but they're either dreams or sort of like what you what you think the, the the character's feeling in their head sort of thrown at you beautifully visually on the
1: screen. Yeah, I mean you know look it's it's uh, uh Part of the, you know, like we go back to Fellini, the Italian tradition of, of, uh, it's not quite surrealism, but the, the, the magical realism, the blending of the, yeah. of the real and the imagination to, to, you know, which, which are interchangeable as far as cinema goes, because the idea that cinema is a dream, which I think, I think Fellini really tapped into, uh, and I think this film, you know, is certainly in that tradition. Um, Paolo Sorrentino is a filmmaker who I know is much lauded uh, in Italy, he's probably Ital- uh, Italy's premier filmmaker, having won the Oscar for best foreign film last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's right up there with, uh, the guy who made the last kiss, who went on to become, <laughs> to become Will Smith's guy in Hollywood who made uh, seven pounds in the pursuit of happiness. Uh, I'm just, uh, going blank on his name, but you know, there, there is this tradition of Italian film that, that uses surreal imagery. Uh, Gabriel Muccino is the, uh, is the other filmmaker. Um, but uh, so so for me that that uh that uh, scene where michael Caine is playing you know orchestrating in the field perfectly uh fits in in this movie as far as as far as this entire retreat in the swiss alps feels like a dream it feels almost like they could be in in some kind of purgatory and the thing that's interesting yeah, well, there what kind of is in a yeah, weird way the thing that's interesting there that i that i was sort of intrigued by is that a film like this would sit up which sets up this, this this extraordinarily world of privilege and wealth um mm-hmm. but doesn't actually um make any commentary about that i mean it, you know like the the film kind of reminded me of Renoir's film uh, the Rules of the Game and um, maybe uh, Robert Altman's film gosford Park, which is it's a, you know like it sort of starts. It starts by setting you up in this world of extraordinary privilege, counterbalanced with the working class that's beneath them. You see the workers at the at the resort, kind of yeah, getting ready yep. and preparing. But the film, unlike Gosford Park and The Rules of the Game, the film makes no commentary about that, and that's and that is unusual given that we live in the age of Occupy Wall Street, the one percent, the ninety nine percent. You know that I think, that is.
0: I think it does actually make comment to it. Doesn't verbally <laughs> sort of say <laughs> like. It does. It doesn't make a scene out of it, but it make it definitely. How do I put it? Like you, you see the workers getting ready, and you see them sort of helping these elderly, rich people around. Most some elderly, not everyone. I mean, hell, Miss yeah. Universe eventually goes there. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, you see them sort of in their downtime a lot too. Like the again, the masseuse who dances and the. Uh, the sort of the, I guess there was like a sad prostitute.
1: Yeah. I think, I think she's like, as far as, as the filmmaking commentary, the sad prostitute is the kind of, as far as it goes, which it has the, and it's lovely. It's really, it's really well done. Uh, There is a, a, a young girl who, uh, she looks like she comes from a Todd Solondz film. She looks like she she comes from Welcome to the Dollhouse. Yeah. Um. You know, w- walks into this resort every night, kind of uh, mournfully with her mother, um, and waits as you know, and she waits for men to come pick her up, uh, who tend to be like much, 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 much older. And so it's older men kind of finding a young woman, um, and and look, uh, I, I guess what I'm saying is that in in any other film without the kind of dreamlike imagery that goes along with this film, that would be literous and there would be more of a, more of a, perhaps more of a discussion in the film about the power dynamic that's happening. Um, and again, this is a film where very wealthy people are basically indulging um, their very wealthy um, habits um, on screen. And, and the film makes no commentary about it. Well, um, I don't think, and, and, and I don't, I don't think don't, that, I don't think the film I, I, needs to make it. it it's it's what's remarkable about it is I don't think the film needs to make a commentary about it and I don't think the film intends to make a commentary about it and it's it's amazing that that it you know despite that it didn't that actually didn't bother me uh, a lot it it kind of felt like this was just a lovely world and this is the way The world operates, and I kind of, I kind of actually enjoyed that. Uh, For example, that other film um, that I mentioned, uh, "I Am Love," is actually set in a similar universe of very wealthy, powerful people, Um, but it it does actually make a commentary about the people that support these wealthy people. And and I think that's what that film was about. This film is not about that. It's just unusual to me that, you know, we live in we live in the age and it's perhaps because I'm middle class and so are you, Matt, um, that 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 we didn't. The film somehow manages to skirt above that feeling, you know, like like imagine if if we were watching any other film that was perhaps not as well made, which was about rich people indulging their richness um, on a retreat. And, you know, like we might go, oh, well, this is just really a film about wealthy people doing their thing. And do I really care? Um, I I think it's kind of remarkable that the film skirts above that whole line. In the same way, I think the film skirts above, its, its, it's really teeing the line of slightly misogynistic is the wrong word, but leery old man kind of Pervy old man kind of thinking um, because there's a you know a Miss Universe character uh, turns well, up. Hold on, let's, let's
0: stop because I gotta I gotta <laughs> I gotta go back to what you're saying before you re- put a pin in that. We'll get that in a second. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, I,
1: well, I so guess going I guess back just to, to, to the,
0: going back to the rich thing real quick. <laughs> uh, yeah, just I, I want to let you finish that thought before we before I interrupted. Well, I guess in um, the same
1: in the same way, all I just wanted to say was that it it's remarkable that the film. Is playing in that world without making commentary about those things, and it doesn't need to. The, I think I think this is actually a positive on the film, um, that it's so the director's voice and his and his eye on his subjects is so empathetic that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't even it doesn't that doesn't even become a factor, even though it is a, well, it's a strange world a that factor. we're visiting it doesn't become a factor is that it's not a factor. I
0: mean, I think to be honest, the only reason it takes place other than the fact that it's pretty in the Swiss Alps, the only reason it takes place, uh, uh, basically during rich people, uh, at a retreat is a couple, a couple different factors. One, if your whole thing is about reflection of sort of the human existence, uh, with little to no distractions, it's going to be really hard to do that. Telling a story of like, of basically people that are like working constantly, do you know what I mean? Like, if you're gonna do this slow sort of, I, I think I think the clashes sure. of the, that the, the film the, uses is is just an excuse to be like let make you not question why these people can sit around, and, and and sort of have these moments trying to figure out what the hell their lives mean. Well, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's a no, I, I
1: I agree with you. I think it, I think it it and and don't don't uh, you know get me wrong here. I'm not suggesting that. That the fact that that is not in the in the film is a bad thing. It's 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 amazing that the film didn't like, you know, make me question that too much. But what I'm saying is is that is that if you were watching a, a lesser made film, the fact that this film is about an actor wandering, you know, like has an actor wandering around trying to figure out a role basically by doing nothing all day would probably make you a little annoyed in any other film. And it doesn't in this film. And I think it's kind of interesting that it doesn't. Well, because... I think
0: I think the fact in that thing is just like, for instance, that character, that actor, Jimmy mm-hmm. Tree, isn't doing nothing all day. He goes to these stupid mm-hmm. retreat meeting things or these concerts that they have mm-hmm. uh, to talk when, you know, he, he he's not doing something. Like, we don't, you never see a person work in this movie. No. Like, apart, it's all about the time. The... Oh, yeah. Apart from the director and his writers. But yeah. even then, that's all he... still sitting around and talking about oh, doing man. The work. You never see I... anybody write.
1: Oh, I wish I I wish I could write like that. Like I wish my writing sessions were like that.
0: Yeah. So like it, it, this movie is all about the in-between moments. The the moments where you have time to sort of sit and reflect or talk with a friend or whatever. It's not it, I think that's the whole point of it and that's sort of why it's portrayed in this sort of way. Um and then also to to hit your sort of pervy old man uh continue on that thought. I was I want to see where you were going.
1: Well, I just I think the film kind of Again, it teachers on that line of pervy old man,, uh, but it manages to get away with it because, again, the director's eye is so empathetic and so non-judgmental. But this has a, a a kind of a scene in this film where a beautiful woman kind of just walks around naked in slow motion. Um and it's kind of a strange unusual scene because it has nothing to do with the film and it has nothing to do with anything that the characters are thinking about in it the film. It has everything to do with the film. What do you, why do you, do you think that that scene had no point? I I don't think that that scene really plays out in any meaningful way I, other than it just happens. Um Okay, and, I, I and 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 it's it's a it's but the thing, here's the thing. It it has that kind of uh it, Italian way of portraying sexuality, which is which is classic classic masculine and femininity, and without shying away from classic masculinity and femininity. Um so it's a film that without it it somehow manages to avoid objectifying her. Rather, it seems to be, celebrating her in a stra in an unusual way in the in, in much the same way fellini did in eight and a half with women well, uh, yes yeah, so or no I, I don't think it's celeb in, in a
0: weird way I, I guess it's celebrating her but it's more celebrating i think the, so the two guys harvey mm. Keitel and and um just to set this scene harvey mm. Keitel and uh michael kane are in like a um i guess it's like a heated pool a heated mm. type of pool where you can like go towards the heating coils and mm. uh like you could um I've never been in one of those. It's like a spa pool, right? Right, right. And Miss Universe walks up uh, and she's naked and she walks in and she does the whole slow-mo thing and whatever. And it's sort of a weird scene because Michael Caine and, and uh, Harvey Keitel don't know uh, what the fuck to do. They're just sort yeah. of like, uh. But so here are these two 80-something-year-old men and at first you're like, I do think uh, she here, I, w- I was like, why is this happening? This doesn't make any sense to me. But then the more I thought about it, and then finally, when uh, someone comes over to tell um, Mick, Harvey Cattell's character, that um, that Jane Fonda is there to see him, uh, he go- well, he's like, excuse me, sir, someone's here to see you. And he goes, can't you see we're having the last, I forget the, the word he used, but can't you see we're having the last great like uh, <laughs> uh, tickle or something of our lives or something like that? Like yeah. the thrill, let's just use the word thrill because that's kind of what it meant. He says, let's, he, let's, uh, can't you see I'm having, we're having the last thrill of our life, which if you think about it, I mean, not to get super, I don't know, psychological about sort of sex and what it means or whatever, but like part of being, uh, a human man, I guess, uh, or whatever, a human, that's a huge sort of telling thing about age. Cause I imagine when you get to be 80, very little sexually excites you anymore if that makes any sense. This movie's all about sort of how life changes and your perspective of life changes as you age. This one scene sort of just happened to be about like the, the fact that like they're both literally shocked in that moment. I think that they are aroused in a weird way. Uh, and I also think, but like everything in this movie, even Harvey Keitel's character takes his writing uh, partners up to uh, the mountain and they look through the telescope. Um, and he says something along the lines of, like, look over there, it doesn't, like, what, is, what do you see? She's like, oh, it looks really close. So like, well, yeah, that's because that's you're young. Turn, she turns the thing around, and you know if you look through binoculars or a telescope backwards, it makes things look farther away. She's like, now it looks super far away. He's like, that's what the world looks like uh, when you're old. and Because uh, everything, your entire life is sort of behind you, and when you look back, everything just seems so far away. So I think, um, I just think that this whole movie's point is sort of doing in a very artistic way showing you how you know your perception of being alive is going to change and very you don't really think about that a lot because it happens so slow in real life you know yeah Uh, sure and and this movie does a great job of sort of like showing you people in different points of their lives reflecting and dealing with the fact that they are still alive in different ways. I don't think about, uh, getting older. I mean, this movie made me think about it, obviously, but like on a day to day, and I don't think how my temperament or my energy level or my, uh, anything will change, but it will. And I think this movie does a great job at like showing just sort of the way different realistic yet eccentric people act, uh, when that happens.
1: Sure. I, I could totally see that. I, I still just question. Now, again, I don't think the film actually teaches into leery old man kind of thing quite. It, it kind of tiptoes that line and doesn't manage to fall off, which is an amazing balance act. I just don't, that that particular scene with uh, Miss Universe uh, wandering around in slow motion naked through, uh, through a pool is, um, says anything revelatory. It's, it's, yes, I get it. it well, no, you know, no, no, it's
0: not like the crux of the film. It's not like the oh my God moment. It's no, no, the, and I, and it's, it's not another, meant to be the oh my God moment. It's just another instance.
1: It, it's just another, yeah, it's another instance, but it it does teeter on that slightly, um, slightly I'd romanticized version of what youth can be. Um, and But that, to be fair, the film does give that character a little bit of a grace moment earlier That's on where she say. calls out when she calls out uh Paul Dano's character for thinking for call, for thinking that she's vapid um and she says listen and I'm thinking
0: that she's vapid this ah mm. we're gonna go full circle thinking mm. that she's vapid due to the fact that she really liked him in basically an action popcorn flick, not yeah. unlike the Avengers. Um, yeah. He and, played and, and uh, then, in
1: Mr. Q, the robot movie. Mr.
0: Q, the robot is a is the name mm. of the character. And uh, he basically went, he says earlier in the film, he's like, you know, the mo- one moment of levity and only, the only thing I'm going to be remembered for is playing a fucking robot. And then the first <laughs> thing Miss Universe says to him later in the film, it's like, I loved you as Mr. Q. And then he basically kind of shits on her as sort of trying to be snark and sort of smart, like, yeah. uh, basically calling her an idiot. And she fucking snaps back with like some fuck. I don't even remember. It was just like some really smart. Hard well, no,
1: shit. She she just she says something that's really um, insightful, which is that uh, you think that it's ironic that I enjoyed you for, because you're in that film. Um, I enjoyed my time as Mr., Mrs. Universe. I enjoyed the fact that I took part in that uh, pageant. Uh, you don't seem to have enjoyed the fact that the thing you're most remembered, you don't seem to enjoy the thing that you're most remembered for. Yeah, she,
0: she says it snarkily. She says, I enjoyed my time uh, with the Miss Universe pageant did you enjoy your time as Mr. Q? And then she like walks away and he's like, she walks away
1: and, and Mick, I think it's Fred Ballinger turns to, to, to Paul Dano's character and says, well, she's no idiot. And he kind of laughs and says, no, she, no, she isn't. And, it's you know but then later in the film he actually gets the moment that he's been looking for which is that a, a little girl comes up to him and mentions uh, this little indie film that he was in that mm-hmm. nobody saw and i don't think that her scene later on where so so the film kind of like sits up here that she is much more than a than just a great beauty you know to to steal this title from Paolo Sorrentino's previous film um but then it it has a singing with her where all it does is look at her beauty. Um, and, and, and I, again, I don't think that the film actually manages to fall off into, into misogynistic or into, into, uh, getting that balance wrong. It actually feels completely natural within the film and, and it doesn't feel too judgmental or anything like that. The, the, the director's eye is very, very smart. um, but I'm just saying that like in a lesser made film, that scene played wholesale as it was, would not work. And you could almost see it not working here. And it's a, it's remarkable to me that it does work. So, yeah, I, I you know, like, again, I, it's it sort of, you, I, and I can see why you're having issue with me saying this, because you don't think that the film gets into these, into these issues because... They, because the film is so well-made and I I agree with you and, and because these issues aren't what the film is about, but it's hard to distract to, to, for me to dissect what the film is about versus what the film is presenting me, which is rich old men in a, in a resort, you know, basically wrestling with existential crisis, you know, with an existential crisis, you know. I, I think those things are, you know, given that the fact that the film highlights that there's a working class underneath the, underneath this whole film and there's a, you know, a working class prostitute in the film as well. The fact that the film doesn't address those things is interesting to me at the very least. Um, and it's, in, you know, I, I counterbalance that with is it's interesting that the film manages to get away with that. Um, and and see, but here's the thing. And, and
0: I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds to me like it doesn't for you. It sounds to me like you're because you you I mean, the majority of this podcast has been sort of these things that sort of bothered you about it. Yet you keep going back at the end and saying it still works. It still works. It still works. Well,
1: I don't I don't think it worked for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I guess maybe the, the part that doesn't work for me is 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 that question of the sum, you know, like like uh, I keep using that phrase is the film more than the sum of its parts. And I think all of those scenes that I mentioned are really interesting, but to me the 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 place that this film finally ends at is not that interesting. It's 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 a place where this film ends at. And there's part of me that feels like this film is really you know like you're you're talking about how you are, want to watch this film over and over and over again to try and ascertain what the film really means, and I, while I appreciate that, I, I'm not going to do the same thing because I like my initial impression. and Maybe I will watch it again, but my initial impression of this film is that, that it's a series of really interesting scenes that dance around the idea of what it means to be to be at the end of your life rather than the beginning of your life. But it offers to me fairly little, um, revelation or, or like the, the, the overall connectiveness of those scenes doesn't really land for me.
0: Right. I Uh, think, I think I might've misspoke then. I don't think that, uh, this movie has some sort of, uh, revelatory, like, Oh my God, this is the meaning of what it means to get older. I think to think a film has that, or even to think that, uh, for the film itself to sort of, if if it said it said that, which it doesn't, it would be totally pretentious and bullshit. Uh, What I I think, what I meant to sort of say now that we're coming back around is, I think the film says what it's trying to say very clearly. It's different perspectives, uh, different sort of outlooks at how your perception of you and those around you changes as you age and slowly crawl into a grave. But I don't think there's going to be like, oh, it's totally the point. This is the point. I think the the small moments that you say are sort of like don't connect as well and don't have a whole like doesn't make the whole thing come together to a cohesive point. I don't think they're trying to. I don't think it's supposed to. I don't think uh, it it needs to. Again, I gotta. I think that email came at a very fortuitous time because this is not a hero's journey movie. This is mm-hmm. not something that like you keep bringing up like Michael Caine's. Uh, story just kind of goes somewhere and it doesn't, you know, whatever the, the resolution didn't feel complete or or, or enough for you. I, I don't think it was meant to. Again, I go back to even the way arguments were treated in this movie. This movie treats things that happen to people a lot like real life. And I don't want to see that all the time in my movies because I like things blowing up and superheroes saving the day. But if if every once in a while I like seeing something that even though it's set in sort of a a little sort of, I guess, headspace or sort of um uh a little bit more than a uh, normal world. Uh, I like seeing characters that interact, have their stories happen and the conclusions, not just be, and they lived happily ever after. Like, it's just like, well, he's keeps going. In fact, the last thing I'll say, cause we, uh, we do need to wrap up. We're going a little over is Michael Kane's character. by at the end, he, oh, throughout the entire thing, he's been going to the doctor and, you know, trying to figure out like, if there's anything wrong with them and blah, blah, blah. And every other character seems to have some sort of health issue one way or the other. Uh, and his uh, results come back, and lo and behold, he's fine. And uh, I think that like hit the character hard. He's like, after all these years, you know, of on all the shit I've done, uh, good and bad, like I'm just I'm fine. I'm healthy. Like that's fucking nuts.
1: Yeah, and and I think that might play into the guilt that he has over a bit ba- over a not- lot of his life. Well, not. I mean. Not abandon, yeah, no. Essentially, abandoning his wife. His wife has uh, probably passed into some form of dementia, yep. um, and he has, you know, he hasn't visited her in ten years' time. And you know, Rachel Weiss has this amazing monologue where she basically outlines every um, every bad deed he did, uh, yep. which was which 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 summed up like essentially ignoring her, uh, you know, I- ignoring his family in favor of his music um, yeah. and having affairs multiple times, uh, both with men and women. Um, and it, you know, like I think that that monologue is poignant, but it seems to happen and then be, you know, it happens like really like in the first third of the movie yep. and then it, and then it doesn't really come back. And and Michael Caine revisiting his wife at the end of the film it it's it's interesting it's not it, it to me the thing the point is is not that it it you know here's the thing you you keep mentioning that i uh that that we're looking for the hero's journey in in this film and i and i i'm not looking for the hero's journey what I'm looking for is profundity i'm looking for for that for the film to to resonate um you know for it to actually take an idea that it has and make it powerful for me. Um, And I, and I think the film skirts around a number of really interesting ideas, but it doesn't really uh, become profound for me or revelatory or, you know, uh, or, you know, at at a very fundamental, you know, hero's journey kind of way resolve in any interesting way. It just resolves. And it's, and I'm not saying again, if we would, I will, I will agree mm, with you on all of those points. And I'm not, and I'm not suggesting that, you know, like this, this is this is a caliber of film which uh if this if these are the bad points i'm making about the film these are still better than i would say 80 to 90 percent of the films we have reviewed um you know like this is this is a, a very high art kind of movie uh and, it, and it, it's transcendent in its in its use of cinema as a language Um, but, but I will say I, I left the film feeling a little cold and a little, you know, like, well, okay, there was that. Um, whereas for example, a a film which plays in the same, um, the same caliber of cinema, for cinema, for example, uh, a film like I am love left me, uh, contemplating life in a way that I didn't Ever expect um it, and much in the same and, and the reason I don't want to hop on this point too much is that I feel that that's how you felt when you watched this movie, and if you did that's right, Which wonderful. is fine
0: but uh, the I, you know i i, I <laughs> the, <laughs> the argument is always very interesting when when i i I feel like you're sort of dancing around me because I liked it so much which I appreciate and I appreciate <laughs> uh but you know the points that you've made obviously hit for you, and that's fine um. The the one thing I'll say is that, you know, I'm glad that, for instance, like, I think you know the feeling that I got from this movie based on what you just said from the the sort of similar feeling you've gotten from movies in the past. Yeah. I I now have had that, like, oh, shit. Like, I, and I think that's why the, the fact that there's no revelation sort of for the characters at the end or anything like that really works for me because the 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 revelation isn't going to come from me getting to the end of the film. The revelation is going to come from me and this is for me. This isn't the movie. It's going to come for me when I watch it a bunch of times later on and keep thinking of new and interesting points that the movie sort of brings up. And sure. maybe the fact that it does not answer them is probably is probably why I really like it. Like it just keeps posing lots of great questions around a interesting enough story with fantastic characters and things that every human being whether you're, you know, what a man, woman, rich, poor, whatever, everyone's going to die. Everyone's <laughs> going to die. And at some point, people have to come to terms with that no matter where you are. So this is just a very interesting way to sort of kickstart at least my thinking about that. Because I'm not sure. a religious guy. No, no, uh, no.
1: And, and, so, and don't for a second think that I'm tiptoeing around the film because you liked it. Because if I really disliked the film, I would take you to task on it. Um, I I just... I do think this is a film worthy of your attention and worthy of anyone's attention. And it is a it is a masterful film. It's kind of in the same way which uh, I, I feel like, you know, Kartek's email was was actually really pretty seen. It's the same way that I feel about Sicario, which is that I feel like Sicario didn't necessarily work, but that doesn't mean it's a bad movie. Right. In fact, it's more excellent than most of the films we talk about. Um, and this is and this is you know more excellent than most of the films we talk about. It is a superb film uh, and superbly crafted. Uh, I just I personally didn't find for the reasons I've outlined that the film resonated with me. yeah which is um, fine. Uh, and so uh, I yeah, I if it was, and the thing that I think is more interesting is that if it was more egregious in terms of the way it used female sexuality to to discuss uh, a male existentialist crisis, which is what it does with that Miss Universe scene or um or the way in which it doesn't address class issues that are to me vitally, vitally inherent to, to the nature of the, the situation that sit up the way, you know, like the fact that it, uh, it manages to skirt around that is, is masterful to me. It's, it's, it is kind of remarkable. That was, I was, you know, I feel like most
0: of our, most of our conversation has been about kind of those moments, those two moments, Mm -hmm. which are so Entirely small in the entirety of the film, which sure. I know you were saying that you know that if those are the problems and they manages to sort of work around it, that's that's a good thing. I do feel bad, and I hope I really hope you took to heart our uh, our thing in the beginning, dear listeners, of um, seeing the movie before you listen to this, yeah. <laughs> because I feel like we've gotten caught up in a lot of stuff about this movie that would do someone who has not seen it no service
1: well and and you know like the one thing I, I i wrote down in my notes is the minutiae of this film the things that we've kind of like tapped into are really beautifully done really yeah. interestingly done like like there's a there's a buddhist monk who uh they think can you know who's who's claims to levitate right and one scene later he does and it is a beautiful moment mm-hmm. uh it's a really really lovely moment and there are you know, scenes of, uh, uh, for, for example, a couple keep coming to dinner who, oh, yeah. uh, you know, like they keep having bets on whether they'll talk to each other and they don't. And in fact, in one scene, she slaps, you know, the couple, the woman in the couple slaps him in the face. Then they follow that couple into the, you know, they see that couple later on wandering through the woods and they follow and watch them have sex. And it's kind of, it is a really lovely moment. I, again, I just, I do, I don't think that that, coupled with the central storylines around Mick Foley... uh, Mick, um, Mick Foley, the wrestler? Yeah, Mick Foley, the wrestler. Yeah, so sorry. Mankind shows up. Yeah, Mick Boyle, the filmmaker, and Fred Ballinger, coupled with those <laughs> those minutiae, add up to something greater than the sum of those individual scenes. Well, I That would be my final do. thought on the film. And
0: if I didn't have a hangover, I could prove it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do think you should... Uh, like, look, you should... Everyone who listens to this podcast should watch this film. Um well, are, and I, I, I would did. wholeheartedly <laughs> recommend watching well, at this point you gotta have watched it I by know. now. Otherwise you're just listening to two people ramble about something that you have no idea what's going on. But I would wholeheartedly recommend that you watch I Am Love as well, which um I'll check that out. Did for me what I think this film did for Matt.
0: And I can't wait to nitpick it in front of you,
1: Shahir. Exactly.
0: I'm <laughs> um all right well this has been the only podcast about youth um and i'm pretty sure to say
1: that that's true we are the only podcast that did a film a podcast about youth probably
0: it's, it's true every time
1: shahir of course of course <laughs> where can people <laughs> find you uh you can find me at www.shahirdow.com that's s-h-a-h-i-r-d-a-u-d um a lot of uh, well My work is, I was going to say a lot of cool work is on there as though I was talking about someone someone else in the third person. It's cool. You know it's
0: cool. You can say it. Say it's cool.
1: (laughs) Uh, But uh, we have a cool music video uh, that I'm working on right now with with robots that uh, will be coming out shortly. So keep an eye out for that excellent uh, you can also find me at, also, also sorry sorry Matt. uh you can also uh, reach us the podcast to, to tell us what you think about youth or any other film we reviewed at only movie at gmail.com or on twitter at only movie pod we also have a facebook page so look us up there
0: yes you can find me at matthew kroll dot lcom also skeletor the number four p-r-e-z on instagram and emperor msk on twitter um yeah and i would say this uh I, 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 for the off rare small t- chance that a person has been going through this entire thing and is super confused and hasn't seen the film. <laughs> uh, and, and if, if the normally like these types of movies and, um, you know, pigeon sat in a branch, uh, you know, all these sort of like more, I guess, heady art housey films. I would still say this is a good gateway one. Sure. Uh, uh, I think. I think it, uh, I'm, I, you know, what I really want to, I, I hope he listens to this, uh, after the fact, I really want to give this to our friend, our friend, uh, Vince, uh, Arrigo. Okay. Uh, sure. because he's my, like, if I had to de- define like action fucking Marvel head, sort of like ah, dude, uh, when it comes to his films, although he do, he does love a good Disney princess tale. Let me tell you, uh, <laughs> uh, he, I, 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 I really want to see what he thinks of this movie. <laughs> Sure. Uh, I'm really curious to see what actually everyone does. So send in emails and let us know. I'm I'm coming. I'll I'll be home soon, man. I miss you. (laughs) (laughs) Miss you too, buddy. Till next time, everybody. See you later.